Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst all the other lads from Cultaholic are comparing notes on a six-man tag team match for the ages during the Super Bowl, we have hopped in our Ica Pro Power DeLorean back to a time where there was a six-man tag team match. And it wasn't for the ages. More on that when we get to it as we continue to chronologically critique Monday Night Raw. Thank you, OSW Review. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter Tom Campbell. And I be with the bear in the big blue bar cage. The man who during Super Bowl weekend, whilst the halftime show was on, whilst SpongeBob SquarePants was duetting with Avril from Maroon 5, one of them got their nipples out, I can't remember which... Uh, he was handed he was handed a pencil by a friend he was watching the game with. He snapped that pencil and threw them straight into his friend's eyes because he doesn't need a pencil. He is Cultaholic's head pen because he gets it right every time. Justin Henry is in America. I would know nothing of the halftime show. I watch halftime heat like any rational person would. The only nipples and tattoos I saw were on Alistair Black. Thanks so much. And I'm a fan of Maroon 5. But even I went, ooh, that was a bit ropey. Well done, Adam. Well done, Adam. Yes, you are a fan, and I've tried not to hold that against you. I, I appreciate it as well. Hey, but this week, this is exciting, Justin. Uh, uh, we be we, but this week we be three. Uh, yes, we are joined by... Well, for those of you who listened to our July 5th episode of the show, we were joined by our good friend Sydney Zumowitz, who is one of the moderators on the Cultaholic Discord. And on this show, we have her older brother, who is also a Cultaholic Discord moderator, our good friend Austin Zumowitz. Austin, how you Hello. doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys? Austin, uh, uh, to get us underway, who would win in a fight between you and Sydney? Oh, me. Yes, me. Good, good answer. It's not even. It's not even a. It's not even a question. Uh, I've watched wrestling longer than her, so I know all the maneuvers, so you know, I'm good. You know much more about it. So maybe that's a halftime show that we can work on, Justin. Okay, well, I've watched more wrestling than Brock Lesnar, and I'm pretty sure Brock could tear my head off, so I don't know what that You've wrestled more than Brock Lesnar has. <laughs> <laughs> it, it still wouldn't help me. <laughs> and, and Austin, while I'm still there, because um, you, you also do a podcast as well, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, I do Pinned a Pro Wrestling Podcast, which is part of And More Media, which is a podcasting division that I have with me and a lot of my friends. Um, we were at StarCast last year, 
and it was crazy awesome. One of the coolest experiences that we had. Gave us a lot of memorable moments, mostly uh, my co-host Chad getting degraded by MJF, which was the highlight <laughs> of our weekend probably. Um, I believe at one point he asked him to buy him a banana. Chad bought mm -hmm. him a banana, and then uh, MJF told him to kill himself. Wow! Oh, wow! That's a thing. Yeah, that was a thing, and then he just walked away. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yes. out, of, out of interest, Austin, how old are you, sir? I am 22 years old. See, this is crazy, because when I was 22, I think I had... I had a couple of LGN action figures and Batman Lego. You have a podcast division and passes to wrestling shows. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Now, Austin, further for the record here, you, you are 22 years old. You were, so you were born 1997, I believe? Yes, that is correct. Okay, so when did you start watching professional wrestling? Uh, well, I was first exposed to wrestling when I was too young to remember, um, back in like 99. And I, all I know is that according to my mom, I would run around the house doing the, if you smell, uh, catchphrase, like my tongue wailing in the air, just pretended to be the rock. Okay. Fair enough. And when, when would you say that you first became conscious of it? Like you started to become like a fan that uh, would kind of get what was going on. Uh, a fan that, well, my first actual, like time watching it legitimately was in 2009 and my first match i ever saw was goldust versus sheamus on an episode of ecw wow what an intro now probably the worst intro you could have gotten um but if for, for me to understand what was going on um the um, i became a lot more conscious when the network was coming around because around like 2011 2013 i started kind of falling off because i'm like oh this might be a fad that I'm going through, but I, then I got reinvigorated into it. Um, the Cultaholic guys, honestly, were one of the reasons that really helped me reinvigorate my love of it. And okay. then I just got hooked and then learned about the business and everything and just became a giant mark, and that's <laughs> me now. And so so the point I'm making here is that you have this episode 1993 overall that we're about to review here. It's kind of like Greek to you, is it not? Not well. I knew a good amount of the guys in the ring. Um, in terms of storylines and what the hell was happening for a lot of it, yes, it's rather Greek. How about its presentation? The way the show came off. Um, it oh, some some stuff was familiar. A lot of stuff was a lot different to me. Um, just Vince on commentary is something that I'm still not used to at whole at wholehearted. And oh, that's a blessing. It is. It's weird to see the man who normally screams in your ear actually screaming in your ear himself. And and getting it so wrong as well. On so yeah. many occasions. Oh, yeah. they, the the oh, phrase yeah. is true that if you can't do, teach. <laughs> this, 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 episode actually, this episode actually reminded me that SummerSlam 1993 was at the Palace of Auburn Hills, which I've been to many a times. And to think that that was your main event... Um, Kind of just makes me feel bad for the palace. Maybe that's why they <laughs> shut down. <laughs> well, the Pistons ladies won, won one championship since then, so they got that. Yeah, they. You know, that yeah, there was that. There was that. They'd won. They well. Yeah, they'd won. Well, actually, no, they'd won two by that point because they won back to back in 80, 89 and well, ninety. Right. Well, I'm saying since then when they won in 04 with the Wallaces and Rip Hamilton. Yes. There you go. It's well, American uh, sports knowledge, Tom. You want to get it. It's fine. They mentioned Wembley at some point in this show, so I can I can revel in the discussion on Wembley later. <laughs> and, 
And just to bring it full circle, I went to SummerSlam 90 in Philadelphia when I was six years old. So there is that. Very so we all nice. have our own little SummerSlam uh, locality here. See, I don't think I've ever been to a SummerSlam. I wasn't even at the Wembley one. So wait, wait. you I have to at, remember uh, whether you're at one or not. It's like you're at, I, either you're at I, one or not. I, sure like... I think I think because I there's so many people who I know now who are who go to so many wrestling shows. I think because I go, cause I think cause I go to and I work at a lot of um, smaller local wrestling shows. I don't go right. to like the big ones. I don't travel to when Monday Night Raw is in the UK. I really should. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, it's, just, it's like a summer thing you would remember. It's like, was I at WrestleMania 21? I did. Think? I drank a oh, lot geez. in my 20s. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a good chance I was somewhere and I've forgotten. <laughs> like, if you go to every season. Every say Ring of Honor show every single month, you might forget which ones you went to, which ones you missed, and all that. But WrestleMania, you would remember something like that. I'm happy that I was th- this Saturday just gone. I was sober for one of my favorite moments as I was the ring announcer for Session Moth Martina versus Amir Jordan, who both demanded <laughs> elaborate ring introductions. So the intros alone took about 10 minutes. <laughs> And you were obliged. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I even I, I even came up with a few lines for them. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> and how was Session Moth doing these days? She is amazing. I, I love her so much. I've been blessed and to be in her company several times. But this Saturday was the first time I actually got to announce her to the ring. And ah, oh, love her. Love her so much. She's brilliant. If you would never if you do anything, take time to watch Session Moth Martina at work. She's unreal. I want to see her versus Shayna Baszler now. Oh, that'd be fascinating. I'd be down for that. But hey, look, what are we doing? We're, we're not talking about wrestling in this year. We're going. Oh, no, no, we're no, we're back not. in our Ica Pro Power DeLorean. Justin, where are we? And when are we this week? Well, unfortunately, we are still at the Castle Recreation Center in Alexandria Bay, New York. This show is it was taped 15 nights earlier. It is August 9th, 1993, when it aired. It was taped July 25th, so this show has been in the can for quite a while, and it's festering. And it's hot and sweaty as well. And oh, did you notice this, Austin? Just how hot and sweaty this building is. I mean, I could just see Yokozuna and Luger when they faced off, just how sweaty it got. Now, this is your first time looking at this venue here. This is the Castle Recreation Center in Alexandria Bay, New York. What were your thoughts of this building? It looks smaller than like where WCW used to film at Walt Disney World. It's it's quite possibly so. It's possibly comparable, but it's definitely a very small venue. You wouldn't think big time WWE or WWF as it was in the day would emanate from a building such as this. Yeah, it looked like more of the size of like an in your house, but even in your house gets bigger numbers I think than that. Tom and I discussed this last week, since the last week's show came from the same building. It's like a glorified airplane hangar. It does look like an airplane hangar. <laughs> like, like, and it looks like it's about a million degrees in there as well, because everybody's just sweating bullets. They've got like a saggy ventilation system hanging above the ring. It just looks like... I'm looking for like the... the like a little... Uh, lunch menus on the wall. Looking for like a basketball hoop. <laughs> it's, it's like rotated upward. It's just, it, it just screams indie. Like it was like a secondary choice for a location. 
Yeah, like, they, like their two normal go-tos suddenly weren't available, and then Vince panicked. He went, oh, God, what's available? Well, well, there's this aircraft hangar up upstate New York. <laughs> how upstate are we talking? Well, they, they use the phrase steam tams. That's how upstate we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, three... Three moose are security guards. That's how, that's how far north we are. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so, so, so we're, this is the last time we're here, Justin. This is like about, as you say, this has been a long time in the can. This is the last time we're here. Yes. Thank goodness. <laughs> but we start off the show with an actual good venue as part of the Lex Express Call to Action campaign. Lex Luger is seen at Comiskey Park in Chicago, home of baseball Chicago White Sox. This is a 14-second introduction, and Vince could not have run through this any faster with the voiceover. He was like, here's Lex Luger talking to Tim Raines, future Hall of Famer and admitted cocaine user. He's here, he's talking to him. It's Monday Night Raw. It's like, he rattled through it really quickly, didn't he? Yeah, like, here he is with a celebrity. That means he's famous too. Ah, he just runs away. I, I found this whole thing. You cut, like, they're desperate to make... Lex Luger, Mr. Americana. And the whole thing of Lex doing baseball was really funny. I was hoping because he's managed to... And I don't know how much uh, you've watched, Austin, of, of the Lex Express stuff, but I feel like he's managed to do everything incredibly awkwardly. I've, I've, I'm, I'm familiar with the Lex Express. Um, never did I take the time to go watch it because I have too much respect for myself. Um, <laughs> but, my God, it's about- like... It's just like they made him like look like in the fact that too that he came out to the um like later in the show he just he looked like he was trying to be a politician and he talked like he was trying to be a politician and that's very Americana I guess but like at the same time it's like oh god it was so forced it's so forced it's so like 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 forget about Hogan this is the American guy it was so heavily forced it's like it was like no disrespect to him, like, personally, but it was, like, Roman times a thousand. <laughs> Say what you about Roman. At least he never wore an ill-fitting suit and a patriotic necktie. <laughs> yeah. No, and, like, or just that shirt itself that he wore, like, when he went to Chicago. We mentioned is- this a little while ago about how they couldn't do the Roman Reigns Express in this in 2019 because of social media you'd have all these great shots of roman reigns on this bus and then you'd see instagram stories of people egging the bus and putting <laughs> spikes out to, to burst in the tires and running away you couldn't try, do it in try, 2019 trying to smash the windows like conor mcgregor <laughs> yes oh god so i i have to throw this fact in just for posterity they show him with tim reigns who is with he was one of the best baseball players of his day. He was just inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2017, one of the best left fielders you'll ever see. And uh, he had a bit of a drug problem in his day, which he's admitted. He was part. It came out in the f- famous Pittsburgh drug trials, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this verbatim from Wikipedia here. Tim Raines admitted keeping a gram of cocaine in his uniform pocket, as well as revealing that he snorted during games, and that he only slid in the bases head first so as to not break the vial. Wow, that's commitment to your drug addiction, that is. And he, of all the athletes for Lex Luger to be seen hobnobbing with during this cleanup phase at WWE, Tim, Tim Raines, who was known as Rock, and not because he was like Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> I'd like, I like think there's some B-roll of this, of, of, of Tim just like walking up to Lex Luger, just adjusting his pocket. 
As if something was about to fall out of it. Just pop that in there. <laughs> no, I don't take bumps. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. Or Lex Luger walking up and down the walking up and down the the, the, the baseball field, just shaking Ica Pro out of his trousers. <laughs> Slides in the third out, falls the. <laughs> it's a strong look. The, the the giant vials and the and the big containers of all the crap and the wrestlers hated taking, but you've got to want it. You have to want it. Well done, Lex. <laughs> So, we are back here at the airplane hangar up in Alexandria Bay. We have a very sweaty Femis Clarities carrying a Lex Luger campaign sign. And she was glowing, and not in the she's beautiful way, but glowing in the there is no air conditioning in this building way. I just want to, like, just, just get her a cold drink. <laughs> Vince tells us that the Macho Midget is back, which... <laughs> Austin, what were you thinking when Vince mentioned the Macho Midget? I thought this is going to be as bad as I think it's going to be. Was it? Yeah, it was. It might have been slightly worse. And then I just knew for a fact that he was just rolling around laughing in his own mind. He's like, uh, he's a midget! Nothing's changed, has it? I was nope. just curious as to why they thought this needed another run out. Like, did they did they rent that suit for the match midget? They thought we need to get our money's worth. Let's put him on two weeks worth of shows. It well, just I don't get what the long term gain was of the macho midget. Well, I mean, it was taped the same night. So he might he might have just rolled back out there for a comedy match later on. So is it just but... kind of saving some money on bringing talent in and just using whoever's still in the building? Yeah, sure. This is the dead hour of the shows. So, you, know, you might as well. And it's also, uh, I noted here that Vince notes the Macho Midget before we even get a mention that the Heavenly Bodies are here. Now, that's the depth chart in Vince's mind. Macho Midget, Heavenly Bodies. Midget comedy, precursor to the revival. Isn't it funny how, like you say, in his head, order of importance. We've got a midget that looks like the Macho Man. Oh, and there's some wrestlers. (laughs) Exactly. It's, uh... Eventually hasn't changed over the years, has he? Um, I think is I think Austin, you will appreciate this because obviously when you were watching, um, when you got into wrestling, it was so it was during the ECW. So you may have experienced do rag Vince McMahon. Uh, I think I just missed that. Oh, what a uh, shame! That was, that was an Thankfully, treat. but then I looked, then I looked back, and I was like, oh god, thank god I didn't come in during this time period because I think I would have mm-hmm. thought this man was just. I don't. It's like I would have been like, "That's the owner of the company." Okay, maybe I'll look somewhere else. Because <laughs> you have like two different types of Vince, and it comes down to how he talks. So when you would have jumped into it, we would have had the gravelly talking Vince McMahon. I run the company. But in the ninth, mid nineties, we've got the high pitched Vince McMahon who talks like this. And I don't know when the one started and the one ended. It's it's like a weird turning point. Yeah. And the other thing, when you listen to Vince do commentary on these shows, you hear what an absolute cheerleader he is. Because this is the period when he's trying to make get new stars over. Because there's no more Hogan. You can you know and the he, people that he he really wants the people to get behind. It's it's one thing for an announcer to spoon feed the audience, which is their job. Jim Ross, Gorilla Monsoon, Vince back in the old days. They could do it with a bit more subtlety and tell you the story without feeling like they're just jamming it down your throat with a toilet plunger. But Vince in this era, my goodness, he cannot – he's unrelenting. 
he's just, he's he's half carnival barker, half desperate idiot. <laughs> Are you sure it's half and half? Because I think it might be more seventy-five, twenty-five. <laughs> he, well, he's uh he's over the top, and it's not always to the benefit of the product, I believe. Mm-mm. So we go to the opening match. It was advertised last week. Tatanka versus Mr. Hughes. Well, and this was advertised last week. This was pushed like it was Rock Austin last week. They did a little, they did like a little 30 second video package for the undefeated Tatanka, the unstoppable Mr. Hughes. These two will collide. I just couldn't get over how over the top this was for Tatanka versus Mr. Hughes. All, all I was missing was a tail of the tape. Oh, and Michael, and Mike Goldberg saying, other than the hundred pound weight advantage, these two are virtually identical. <laughs> other than that, yes. <laughs> now so, I must have I must have missed something too because looking at it, because like, so I they kept bringing up Taker, and I knew that like there was something between Tatanka and Taker, I think, and Mr. Hughes came, had the urn, and there was a freaking wreath that was brought down that which was a mm. message from the undertaker i need to understand the correlation so what's happened somebody is, help me out here what's happened is is the undertaker has died and his spirit has gone inside mr hughes so mr hughes inhaled the spirit of the undertaker so even though tom, it's mr hughes tom, that is tom, the undertaker tom, tom. <laughs> Dude, you had you had me hook, line, and sinker. I thought they genuinely were doing that. I'm joking. I'm joking. Mr. Hughes is IRS. They've just recast him. That's what I meant to yes. say. Gotcha. Okay. Because I was going to say because yes. he looked like he looked like a much bigger IRS. They yes. just replaced him the one day and didn't say anything. It's very awkward. <laughs> I'll spell that accurately. How? Yeah. That? Justin will tell you exactly what the crack is between Mr. Hughes Mr. and Undertaker. Mr. Hughes is managed by Harvey Whippleman, who also manages Giant Gonzalez, who is feeding with Undertaker still at this point. The, the two of them beat up The Undertaker back in June, and they beat up Paul Bearer as well. And Mr. Hughes stole the urn as sort of his own little collateral, like, you know, you want to come get it, because Hughes is a big bully character. So Taker's been kind of MIA. Paul Bearer's been MIA. But M- Mr. Hughes in his matches has been receiving these reefs from these you know, various people who are bringing them out and putting them there as messages from Taker. Some have notes on them to say rest in peace or whatever, just playing head games of Mr. Hughes because Taker's coming for both him, Giant Gonzalez, and to get the urn back. However, Tom, you want to hear a little kind of sad note here? I, I think I do. I don't, I, I'm sat down, so I'm ready. This is the last time you'll see Mr. Hughes on roll. No! Oh, but I was just getting into him. Thank God I came in for his his last match, man. I needed <laughs> I needed my I needed my daily dose of Mr. Hughes if I was ever going to call myself a wrestling fan. <laughs> <laughs> he, he picked a doozy of a show to join us for. Oh uh, yes, but, he was fired. Me, no, yeah, you told me like you told me like this one's going to break your soul, and I'm like, oh, I'm expecting it to. <laughs> but this isn't like the end of Mr. Hughes in the company. We just he just because he's because obviously at this point. The WWF is running like superstars, all American wrestling. Like they've mm. got like a show on every day, but Pretty much. This, but but he's not on Monday Night Raw again. Yeah. Well, he he does finish up in a few weeks. He's actually fired less than two weeks after this show aired for reasons Aww. that I'm not entirely I'm not entirely positive on. He was for stealing Undertaker's with... urn. <laughs> he got sacked <laughs> for it eventually. 
Yeah, it's like how Rick Rude got fired at the, for making fun of Boss Man's mom, but Bobby Heenan didn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hughes was doing um, house show matches with Taker in this loop at some point, and then all of a sudden he's been replaced by Adam Bomb in those matches. It just seems strange that... And, and the, the WWE don't do this very often, where they'll just build a feud and then suddenly just go, nah, forget it, bin it off. And like not even have like a quick conclusion to it. Like not even have the Undertaker come out, batter Mr. Hughes, and then that's the end. Like what nothing. the hell are you talking about? That's all they do now. <laughs> Is that what? Okay, but it just that just doesn't happen on Raw. Okay, uh, okay. Back then it, it was a little less common. Like you know, no closure. But now it's just like, hey, wasn't he feud with? But where did? What the? Where? <laughs> and it's just <laughs> that's why ratings are in the minus twos now. But that's. That's just the way it is. Very true. Uh, yeah, so, 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 so Tatanka versus Mr. Hughes. Hughes is already in the ring to start this match, which is usually a bad sign. We get an early botch in the match. He tries for a leapfrog. Tatanka gets undercut. Hughes hits him like right in the groin as, he, as he's passing through, and that's uh, one of those matches. Yeah, he barely got over him for that leapfrog. The crowd, do you know what? I, I initially thought the crowd are really hot for Tatanka. They initially were really up for it. And then, I don't know whether you two noticed this, uh, but what followed was possibly the worst crowd piping I think I've ever heard. I watched it at I... 2 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday on a Sunday morning, so I may have missed this. Oh, it was bad. Did you notice, know I, I, I heard, it's like, I'm like, there's no way this crowd is this hype for this. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at the crowd too, and I'm looking, I'm scanning faces at this point, because I know this match is, like, after that, like you said, that leapfrog botch, I'm like, okay, I need to find something else to focus on. And I'm just, like, looking through, and I'm, like, just seeing the faces, and I'm like, this crowd is way too loud for what they are showing me on the hard cam. So I'm like, there's some piping going on here. And I'm like, I'm just thinking of, of Kevin Dunn just hitting the, the volume up button and just being like, come on, come on, work, work. There's some moments that really give it away. <clears throat> like there's points where Hughes will hoy Tatanka into the corner and the corner will make no, no sound. Because yeah, the crowd are uh... apparently so hot. And th and there, here is another moment, and I don't mean to skip through the match, but I have to get to it because I sure. rewound this several times just to make sure I was correct. But it was it was so ridiculous. Tatanka and Mr. Hughes are fighting on the outside. And I believe it's Mr. it was Mr. Hughes that slams Tatanka on the outside. But somehow the foam mats outside the ring make the same noise as the canvas in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, well, it's incredible. You might as well have just put like a like a, a comedy <laughs> sound effect in there. For just some Roadrunner, Roadrunner, Riley Coyote sounds. Like, like big explosions, something like that. You might as well have done. Well, Hughes put such authority behind those slams. It, it makes quite a thud, you have to understand. That, that it, turns the, it turns the pads outside into canvas. Yeah, that's how strong he is. <laughs> yeah. We had a funny spot early on where Tintanka gets a roll-up. And Vince, you know, falls over himself, oh, what? Yeah, 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 all about that. Like, like oh, I'm pretty sure I got him. Then Savage yeah, no, says, he, he, he forgot to talk. He forgot to how to count very quickly. Austin, this is Vince every week in this era. We'll do that two or three times. 
Cool. I swear to God. <laughs> Austin with how he, sums up with how, how I he, feel about the whole thing. Cool. With how he with how he with how he acts on Raw, does he also bring up uh, fairy tale analogies that he doesn't understand how they work at all? Uh, that's what I that's what I've been hearing for the last three weeks on actual Raw now. Well, that's we haven't had a mention of David and Goliath yet, but <laughs> there is David got his butt kicked. No, Vince, no. <laughs> Go back to the library. You're drunk. Well. It, it was funny on that roll-up that Vince bungled on the count. Savage goes as close to a three count as I've ever seen. He's never seen a three count before. He has, this man has never seen a pinfall in his life, not even in his own matches. I know what he meant to say, but by God, he got that wrong. Steamboat never pinned me once. I don't know what that is. It was I don't know what that is. means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Savage, so, Savage his commentary and i was explaining this to somebody the other night because i was i was at a wrestling show in newcastle the other night and i had no less than three people come up and asked me about this podcast so which is very nice there's at least three more people that we know in newcastle that listen to it and <laughs> three more souls to break excellent and the the way that savage does commentary is he will process a thought for about half a second and he will mm-hmm. just deliver it with 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 the utmost passion and and confidence, even if he's completely wrong. If he processed the thought wrong, he would still be there going, "The sky is green, most definitely." <laughs> and he wouldn't question. He would say it with such authority, you'd almost believe it. I, I, I wish they had the technology in 1993 or ever really to show Savage at ringside and do the Homer Simpson. Camera pans up to show the top of his head and show what he's thinking. <laughs> then pan back down to show his face when he talks. Because <laughs> I want to know what this process is like. But we we actually did have a have a pretty nifty moment in this match when Tatanka actually breaks off Mister Hughes' shades, which is kind of a dangerous spot when you really think about it. Yeah, that's the first time we've seen Mister Hughes' eyes. Yeah. I also mean. He'd have, like, deformed eyes or something, like some sort of atom bomb-type gimmick, but unfortunately, no. So they fight it outside. We get the slam heard around the world, literally, because it sounds like canvas. <laughs> Watch it Tatanka back. Ma- it's true. It's true. Tatanka backdrops Hughes, which almost puts a, a dent in the floor, crawls back in on the count of nine, beats a count that win via count out. And then, okay, I noticed this little audio malady here. Mr. Her- Howard Finkel's ring announcement bleeds over the commentary, and it sounds like he was he, he dubbed that in from a studio back home. And he was like doing it like on the spot. The winner, as a result of a count, is like he's not even in the building making that announcement. <laughs> the mixing, the sound mixing here, and and Austin, you'll appreciate this as a podcast connoisseur. Sound mixing is important. Mm-hmm. You've got to get it right, otherwise it puts people off. You had this. L- Super loud loop of crowd cheering. You had Howard Finkel like blitzing the speakers with his announcement, and then you had the commentators whispering. I legitimately, not even kidding with you, like I was using different headphones, and I literally thought something was wrong with my headphones. <laughs> I was like, "There's, there is no way that they messed this up so bad." And I'm like, I run a very um, humble young podcast. We've only been around for about a year or two. And I can mix better than that. Yeah, this is uh, perhaps the technology in 1993 was was insufficient, to, or 
Or is they've, been in business for, they've been in business for long enough. They should know how to work this stuff. Because this this has been taped for like what did you what did you say before Justin like thirty seven weeks beforehand like two years ahead of time fifteen fifteen days fifteen days they've had they've had over two weeks to get this broadcast ready and the, and this was as good as it was going to get incredible <laughs> so after the match uh, Hughes hits the Tonka with the urn and then Vince gets the line of the year well it could be the line of the year we haven't decided what that's going to be yet. This was not much of a wrestling match at all. <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. Honestly, I was just surprised he said the word wrestling. Uh, he was a little more uh, liberal with that word back then. A little more, not entirely. Mm. So Hughes, Hughes smashes the wreath over to Tonka. You, think, you would think this would be a SummerSlam match, but but no. It's, Hughes is gone, and Tatanka is, is going to be involved in a different match on the night of August 30th, as we will eventually see. Then, and then we have the Tatanka Iker Pro spot, which is a great time for it. The I like that they got rid of the Lex Luger one. The Lex Luger one, Austin, um, is awful because not even, <laughs> not even the line Iker Pro, you've got to want it, can Lex Luger say with any conviction at all. I've I've seen I had I had seen a few of the Iker Pro uh, ads in the in the past because. When the 25th anniversary of Raw came back on, I was like, oh, yeah, Iker Pro. They were pushing that hardcore. And I looked back at some of the old ads, and I don't know if I – I can't remember if I saw Lugers, but the ones I did see um, that I don't remember ne- necessarily who was in it, but I just remember seeing this, and I'm like, man, I don't know what Vince puts his money into, but he needs to freaking manage that better because I don't understand how he was pushing this this hard. This like was like World Bodybuilding Federation bad. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that if it was still around now, it would be a bit like, it would be a bit like Audible, and they just become podcast sponsors. So you'd get Steve hey, Austin. I'd happily, I'd happily sponsor IkerPro if they were still around. Yeah, you'd be like, this show is sponsored by IkerPro. Quote the podcast and get ten percent off your first purchase. You gotta want it. You gotta want it. Now the problem with IkerPro in this era is. They're putting over all these muscle men in the ads, Luger, Tatanka, Crush, Steiners, and your world champion is a 550-pound fat guy who crushes people with his thighs and his ass. They should have owned that and should have just had a video of Yokozuna eating Iger Pro out of a bowl. <laughs> some ready whip on top of it. Yes. Pour some, pour some cornflakes in. Just, it'd be speaking, wonderful. Part of a dangerously of... unhealthy breakfast. <laughs> part of this ridiculous <laughs> breakfast. But, but a breakfast of champions. Yes. Because <laughs> who's got the? But, and speaking of uh, Lex Luger and and his electrifying uh, dulcet tones, we go to the next installment of Who is Lex Luger? Oh man. <laughs> oh, the Austin. Did you? Are, are you familiar? This is the first time you've experienced a Who is Lex Luger video. Yes. Yes. <sighs> Right. I I think, Justin, I think me and you, we talked about this for about an hour in the last podcast. Um, I would love love to hear Austin's impressions of this is this is Vince McMahon's way of giving us the new Hulk Hogan. How did you feel about the new Hulk Hogan after watching this video? Um... (laughs) Oh, God. Um, 
I mean, I've seen I've seen documentaries that interview people that are better than this, and they're like made from like high kids coming out of college and like still making better interviews than this. And just watching how it was like, like the part that killed me the most was it showed the who is Lex Luger for like five seconds of silence, and then just the word college for five seconds of silence. <laughs> Lex Luger is college. Lex Luger, he is college. He didn't graduate college. He is college. It's just a college. He's his own university. He is his own university. You he was can the original Trump Lex University. Luger. Oh my god! Can I say what I wrote here? I... Go ahead. I wrote, "This is like the Bundy tapes minus the warmth and the sincerity." <laughs> And any sex appeal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Luger goes on about college Found it days. very difficult to get turned on in this video. Yeah, it wasn't impossible, it was just very difficult. <laughs> if, 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 if this were an aphrodisiac, it would be a puddle of vomit. <laughs> Someone's into that sort of thing. Uh, I, I was trying to think there was a, of a vomit fetish I don't know about. Is that a thing? Oh, there's a there's the fetish for everything. It's truly there is. Not this you interview. Been, you haven't been on the interview. You haven't been on the internet long enough. There's somebody who has uploaded this video for their own carnivorous <laughs> purposes. So Luger's talking about college football, professional football. Kicked off the University of Miami team. He didn't say why. We should make up a reason no, why said, Luger was He said discipline, disciplinary reasons. Well, that's still vague. He could yeah, have still, No, it is shot still vague, but that's what he said, yeah. He could have failed a drug test. He could have beaten up a nun. We don't know. What do we think he did? What do we think he did? Um, a bad promo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's not even a question. Me personally, I feel like he took the team bus and then just screamed Lex Express and then drove it into the locker room. <laughs> that would be the would be the most entertaining thing he's ever done. I wonder whether people just didn't want to play football with him. So, like, they just found something really, really dull that he did. They went, oh, no, I'm afraid that's against the rules. You're out. Like, no one could find anything wrong with him. He was just a dullard, and they didn't want to play football with him. Maybe he bashed an opposing running back over the head with his steel forearm. Oh, yeah, that's true. He could have done. I will say, though, he did make it to the NFL, albeit very briefly. Played for the Green Bay Packers in the early 80s, which is Sam Driver's team, if uh, a little shout-out to Sam there. Ah, well, there you go. The more you know. So he actually did all right, then, in football overall. Well, for someone that uh, didn't really make it have a long-term career, at least he got into the game, which is more than more than most people. And Luger says at one point he will he'll try to do something if you tell him he can't. And I wrote, "Hey Lex, you can't make this interview compelling." <laughs> and then he agreed with me. <laughs> hey Lex, you can't drive the bus off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the reveal for this is that there was no interviewer. It's just Luger talking to himself in like a mirror. Oh, no, 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 no. I want it to pan out, and I want it to be, <laughs> I want it to be a plank of wood with googly eyes. 
<laughs> it's it's Plank from Ed and Nettie. <laughs> or a Jake Or a Jake Roberts wrestling buddy. Yes. Or 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 just a pile of washing. <laughs> I would really like it if he was just completely lost his mind and was just staring at a pile of Icapro. <laughs> You're my only friend now. Oh, like, but, yeah, they pan, but they pan out, they pan out, and he's just in a pizza shop, and the guy goes, "That's that's great, mate, but what what pizza are you ordering?" <laughs> like that's not, it's not even here's an empty bottle of pills. You, what do you say about my accountant, <laughs> my spiritual advisor? <laughs> right, hang on, I've just had a thought. I've just had a thought. Why have we had this thought already, John? John, I need yes. you to <laughs> Photoshop whatever Lex Luger is talking to. <laughs> I leave it he with Stuart's, you. He's Stuart Smalley from Daily Affirmation. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, I'm not getting the belt. <laughs> whatever you want it to be, John, make it happen. Austin, John Eiley is uh, our head of photos. Oh, I'm, I'm familiar with John. I'm very familiar with John. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so, po- po- he's a cult hero podcast, or a Photoshop John. Is there anything you want him to Photoshop, Austin? I'll think of something along the lines. I'm feel sure free, I'll feel free to make it as elaborate as you like. He, he's more than happy. <laughs> you put a yeah. dragon in it as well. He, he's even happier. We come out of this interview, or alleged interview with Vince saying Luger will probably be the next WWE champion it's like you're supposed to be an unbiased announcer (laughs) (laughs) he sounded like a parent because he was like praising about his GPA I'm like oh really did he what like did you also take him to summer camp (laughs) Lex reads at a fifth grade level (laughs) and he colors within the lines he's challenging he scored this on his his SATs So then we come to, if, boy, if you thought that was bad, the Bushwhackers and the Macho Midget versus the Brooklyn Brawler, poor Blake Beverly, and little Louie. My God. this in I like the fact that, as we alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, in the week where we had the Halftime Heat six-man tag, did you watch it, Austin? Uh, I did not. I actually did choose to watch the Halftime Show uh just because I wanted uh, so badly for Sweet Victory to be played, and I got cu- and I got completely screwed over and ended up getting sicko mode in my face. So I, I made the wrong decision. Justin, you watched it, didn't you? Halftime Heat, yes. Yes. How mm-hmm. flipping amazing was that match? It was quite incredible. I watched it with my brother and our good friend who don't really watch NXT. So a lot of it was new to them. They knew who DIY were. They really were too familiar with the other four individuals. But it was an incredible match. Although half of it was just Sean on commentary saying, this is what you come to expect out of NXT. Such great wrestling. And, and these guys are the future of the business. And that was while Vic Joseph does his poor man's Mike Adamley impression. Yeah, the match I, wasn't, I wasn't overly sold on Sean on commentary. But what I liked was... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I like the Performance Center as a venue. I thought that was a good, that was a good setup. Yeah, it was kind of a, it was kind of indie-ish, but in a good way. But the match itself was just spectacular. Just each guy doing what they do best, just like a a, coll- a collage, almost a medley of all the greatest hits thrown into like one twenty-minute package. It was it was damn good stuff, and we were all very entertained. It was definitely a better use of a halftime show than maybe some of the halftime shows over the years. I didn't watch Maroon Five. I admit I'm not a fan, so I can't really comment the two guys who do enjoy Maroon Five. But it had to be better than, well, at least Katy Perry. Well, hey, it... don't don't talk bad on Left Shark. <laughs> Left Shark is a goddamn star. Afterwards, case in point, case in point. Uh, Left Shark would have been a great addition to this show here. <laughs> Even a great addition to this match. This was this was something else. This was. He would have been a great addition time. to halftime heat. This should have been our halftime heat. Bushwhackers and Matcha Midget versus Blake Beverly, <laughs> Brooklyn Brawler, and Little Louie. They've been halftime frigid. <laughs> I will say I'm very happy to because I'm glad I'm glad that, to know that um, Vince's midget finish didn't start with like El Torito and Hornswago. It, it very oh, no. much had a beginning. It is long running. Long. Oh, long, we go long, back to like running. WrestleMania three, if not even further back than that, for uh, yeah. his desire to watch midgets fight each other. Midget Madness at MSG back in the 70s. Oh, Still like Cowboy days. Lang and whoever that else. That was a but thing, it... wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yes. Oh, jeez. Macho... Midget dances to start this thing, and Vin... Vince is so happy. He is so thrilled. He could not be happier. The last time Vince was this happy was when Tiny Tim was on Raw. <laughs> yeah, Tiny Tim, that's... uh. We don't appeal to the kids there, Vince. I wonder whether Vince booked Tiny Tim thinking Tiny Tim was a midget. Maybe. It's what, Tim's tiny. Like, He's got to be a midget. I love a midget fighting. And we'll book Bob Cratchit also. <laughs> the only thing that could have made this better is if Vince got the opportunity to push one of the midgets in, the, in a pool. Oh, he oh, would. Yes. He, and do you know what? I would have, in a building like this, that would have been quite a nice relief, actually. It would have been. And have a food fight where you, throw, where you just throw like a Gary bottle at each other. It would have been very refreshing. 
My main note for this match, so Justin and Austin, you'll have to lead this, because my main note here is I can't figure out the purpose and Blake Beverly deserves more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Blake, uh, this is one of his last TV appearances before he leaves the company. I yes. wonder why. <laughs> well, well, somebody had to be the third patsy on that team. Bobby Heenan notes that the Bushwhackers are facing this new tag team called the Quebecers on All-American Wrestling soon, and I'm thinking, why aren't they on Raw? We could watch Jacques and PCO wrestle. Oh, yeah, early oh. days, PCO. Well, we have, we'll have that at some point, though, won't we? Yes, we'll have PCO very, very soon on Raw. Excellent. I didn't know. I wish we were watching that match instead. Vince calls this an outstanding matchup as well. And I'm like, as well as this? <laughs> He's desperate for us to like this match. It is just a, it's just a hot mess. Yeah, a, I, we had Bobby I, Heenan I, giving all the short jokes, though, which was oh, just yes. icing on the cake. Yeah, well, Heenan had to amuse himself somehow during this match. We get the spot where the Bushwhackers and the Macho Midget do the three-way bite, where they all bite different people. And I have to ask this again because Macho Midget did it last week. How does he bite with a latex mask over his face? How does that work? Is he just sniffing little Louie's butt? What's he doing? <laughs> I don't think Vince knows it's a mask. Because Vince was saying, well, he, he looks like Macho Man. Like, I don't think Vince knows it's a mask. <laughs> well, ignorance is bliss, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I noted that Little Louie is pretty damn dumb because he keeps falling for these little comedy spots. They do the crisscross where the babyface holds onto the ropes, and the, and the heel just keeps running. And and, and because he has short legs, I'm not, I'm not making fun of midgets here. It's if you're a midget, you're a midget. It's whatever. He's he's running like in slow motion because he, he can't make the bigger strides. So he goes on for like 20 seconds, just oblivious to the fact that the macho midget's not running anymore. And I'm just hey. Waiting for this match to be over. Although Savage does, he almost tops Venture time for line here by saying, "No timing in psychology here." <laughs> I mean, he's right. he's right. There isn't. <laughs> that is factual. What he said. And Blake argues with little Louie. He wishes he just followed Bo out of the company. <laughs> <laughs> we get this. We get this one comedy spot where Macho Midget has little Louie pinned, and little Louie throws him off for the kick out. So Earl Hebner catches Macho Midget and throws him back onto Louie. One, two, and then they do it again. It's on loop. It's, it, was, it was kind of amusing. But then later in the match when uh, Macho Midget er, was being pinned by Louie, he, he kicks out, throws Louie at Earl. Earl moves, and Louie just splats. Okay, that was kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. I think you were getting Stockholm Syndrome by this point. <laughs> you were going like, okay, that's funny. That's fine. It was too... It was 2.20 in the morning the night before the Super Bowl, so I was kind of, uh, my mind was elsewhere at that point. <laughs> uh, Brawler gets pinned, Brawler gets used for a battering ram, and then gets double DDT'd, and then the midget pins him with a diving splash. And I wrote, thank God it's over. Thankfully, Blake didn't get pinned. I was really worried that Blake was going to get the pin. we got to keep him strong for the big push when he becomes uh, Hakushi later on. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise, Austin. That is exactly what happens. Blake Beverly becomes Harkushi. 
got it. Dive job was Blake worth Beverly it. is an anagram of Harkushi. You know what? Now that you say that, it all makes sense it, now. It is. It is. The H is in there somewhere. It, it's in there. It's in there. It's, it's very silent. <laughs> As were the crowd during most of this match. So, Tom, would you agree that this is the worst match we've seen on Raw to this point? Oh, that's a that's a that's a that's a juicy question. Um, very likely, okay, well, yes. I just for me, like there was no point. Like, what was this? Was this designed as a vehicle to push Macho Midget? In which case, was, what are you hoping to do with him down the line? Well, he he does he does find use later on, as noted. He does become Dink the Clown, so he would become uh, somewhat prominent for a few years in the company. But it, but it, but that's a whole gimmick change. This feels like it's a the only the only thing I can get I can figure out is this match serves. To put Macho Midget over. Well, it was probably just we have the costume. He's in the building. Let's just use him twice and, and get our money's worth, as you kind of noted earlier. But then also, you would have had to have paid for little Louie. Well, I was going to make a half price joke there, but I'm not Bobby Heenan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, might be one of the worst matches I've seen. Um, they were pushing this, this at the beginning of the show. The Macho Midget is back. They were pushing that. Like, that's a reason yeah. you need to keep watching this. That like, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not even going to lie. It's like, because, like, uh, on one hand, it was a godsend that this thing was under an hour, like, without commercial without commercial breaks. Because the three-hour rock, like, tears me apart inside after a while. <laughs> but, like, with the with the quality of the stuff that was on this raw, it felt like four hours. <laughs> when well, raws are good help. in this era, they fly by. When they're bad, they feel like like as you say, Austin, they go on forever. You need like a standing eight count after about half of it. Well, that's just like. <laughs> I, I, I could like you told you told me oh this this one's gonna break your soul and I'm like I'm pretty sure it's going to and then like the first match ends in a in a in a in a countout victory and I'm like okay we're on the right track let's keep going how far can we push this we had the the whole interview with Lex Luger I'm like yep keep going you can go you can do better and then we see the Macho Midget I'm like there we go <laughs> I am just like. Just put me in the mental institution now, because I need, I need, like, I just need to, like, either see therapy now or just wait for the nightmares to settle in. <laughs> okay, well, the rest of the show wasn't wasn't that bad, quite. Thankfully, honestly. this is this is the the lowest ebb that we reach, and what happens next genuinely pushes things up in the right direction. We have the contract signing for the WWE or WWF title match at SummerSlam: Yokozuna versus Lex Luger. We have a ton of presiding officials here, just to make this seem more important. I recognize uh, Pat Patterson in there. I think uh, Tony Gurria there. Do I see Tony Gurria? Oh, he's always there. He... Wurzel Gummidge, <laughs> as he's better known, he was there. Uh, yes, there was. Uh, there was um, Billy Red Lines was in there. Uh, Bruce Pritchard was in the ring for this segment, which is kind of unusual. He's usually with one of the ringsiders. Uh, of course, Vince Savage and Heenan are all in there. Yoko and Fuji enter first, and then they stop, and all of a sudden, they see bringing up the rear is Mr. James E. Cornette, who is here to save this show. 
And do you know what? He certainly does. The moment, the moment that I saw him in that decadent coloured suit, red jacket, blue shirt combo type affair with a furry blue tennis racket, I thought, you look like a jackass. I love you so much. <laughs> I wrote in my notes here that he is younger here than Brian Zane is now, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Because, I mean, that is his dad, after all. <laughs> I never put the two together, but now, yep, you are absolutely right. <laughs> Fuji introduces Cornette as the American spokesman slash guy who can cut promos. Because Fuji uh, is a bit challenged in this role. And Yoko's going to need someone who, can, who actually can talk for him. And who better than James A., the Louisville lip himself. Jack Tunney's here, so you know this is very important. Vince interrupts Cornette's pro-Japan diatribe by saying, listen to this, as the crowd chants USA, because apparently we're still at war. It's 1941. Cornette calls Tony corrupt. He's, he's not wrong. But then and then Jim Cornette asks to see the contract before they sign it. It was just such a lovely little touch that Jim Cornette <laughs> just was like, I want to read it first. And <laughs> you see him and... Him and Fuji chatting away, and then they, yep, yeah, that's fine. I thought Jim Cornette really, really completes this Yokozuna character now. Well, yeah, because it's someone who, someone who can talk, someone who can be lively, energetic, and and get, you know, push people's buttons. He, he's very effective in his role, no matter who he manages, other than Mantar. And. He does have a great line where he's going like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's all the, uh, wait, is that in pencil? And he goes, and he goes like, oh, no, no, that's good. Okay, so I agree I agree to these terms. And Vince gives Lex Luger the most over-the-top intro of all time. The man who slammed Yokozuna on America's birthday. And he is, he cannot sell this man any more than he already is. What did we make of Lex Luger's suit. I wrote, I wrote David Byrne. <laughs> Austin, what did you make of Lex Luger's suit? Uh, I, was, I wasn't paying attention to the suit. I was more so laughing that his entrance music was literally da, 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 and I'm just like, I'm dying at this point. Just because Stars you couldn't and... make him any more American. I mean, for God's sake, they just needed a bald eagle on his shoulder and him coming out with, like, like just some pancakes or something. I don't know. <laughs> some, some sparklers in his hands. Red, white, and blue sparklers. Mm-hmm. I already thought was... the addition of the, of the girls, like, promoting the, Le- the Lex Express was already just oh so on the nose. And then just this whole entrance just sold it for me. Yeah, it's, um, it hasn't been very subtle. And he's only been in this role for like seven weeks now, six weeks, whatever it's been. So he's taking the Sally Struthers accelerated home course in being Hulk Hogan, and he's not doing well at it. Because Hulk he's Hogan copying had a off, lot He's copying off the old notes. He's, he's grabbing old notes off, his, off, off online and then just kind of just writing it down and changing it slightly so that way they don't notice. But like the only thing he changes is like two words. And that's <laughs> Hulkamania can... and brother. You can see, like, he's a sort of guy that will go, I don't understand. Like, I'm all American. I'm saying the same words. I don't understand why this isn't working. Like, because you have no charisma, mate. There is your problem. He's so formulaic. 
Like he even looks like an accountant on his first day <laughs> yeah. at work. I'll be with. I'll be with very feathery hair. It looks like Heather Locklear in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, what's happened here, uh, Austin? Because you 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 would have missed some of the run up to this. Heather Locklear died, and his her spirit well, went inside no, Lex Luke. No, no, no. Worst place was still a thing. Knock it off. <laughs> So you know what else I noticed about this bit, actually? Um, and sure. And I know that, that we talk about how different, like, how the whole live TV experience is so different now because they have had, like, 20, 30 years to refine it and define it. And I don't know whether this is something you picked up on, Austin, as well. And it's the lack of hard camera etiquette from everybody. Because this is all still feels quite new. So, like, Lex Luger gets into the ring and he walks in front of the hard camera and gets on the apron nearest the camera. So he's staring down Yokozuna. You can't see Luger's face. You can barely see Yoko's face. But they're having this stare down. And you know that in this day and age, if they were to do that, they'd say, Lex, right, you've got to walk the opposite side. You've got to stand on the right-hand corner and you've got to stare across the ring so that the camera can pick up your reaction. Instead, we just had a look at Lex Luger's sweaty back. It was kind of... Go ahead, Alice. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I could definitely tell that too because it was a weird thing too because like, while Jim Cornette helped a lot, I felt like this was one of the most uneventful contract signings I had seen. Because like, there was, I felt like there was no real shot to define, like, to help hype this match up. Like, there was no, like, face-to-face, nose-to-nose, anything like that. That was like, they, they'd shoot on the hard cam. And I think it's just because they didn't know exactly where people needed to stand for that shot to look good. Because, like, I'm like, I know they're facing off. It doesn't seem like they are, though. And it's like, and it doesn't look like it, it's not shot well. It's not like presented well enough. And there was way too many people in the ring for it to look at all like these two were like, like this was personal. This is more like, it's like when Dana White gets in the middle of somebody, he's like, yeah. And it's just like, but at least, but at least the other guys are like really hyping this thing up and they make it worthwhile because you get people in that who have charisma. Yeah, it's, uh, it does feel like amateur hourish, uh, you know, sort of like an almost like an Ed Wood production in terms of how this whole thing was shot. There was one point where Mr. Fuji actually hits hits, hits he's waving the flagpole back and forth while on a, on a shot of Luger yelling at Yoko and uh, Fuji and Cornette, and he actually bats the camera with the pole slightly. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like maybe somebody would hit a camera with a flagpole at one point. Leave that in. <laughs> so 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 Yoko signs peacefully. Luger signs peacefully. It's at this point I start thinking that Luger maybe patterned his promo style after Jack Tunney. <laughs> Although, oh, Tunney was Tunney was quite the promo man in his day. It is my decision that this segment is awful. Furthermore, Fur- furthermore, we will never go back to this building again because the air conditioning sucks. Thank you. Do you know so, who Jack Tunney reminds me of in this day and age, and I really hate saying it. I really hate saying it because I am such a, a wild supporter of NXT UK. Um, Johnny Saint. Johnny Saint. Like oh. I love Johnny Saint, but you can tell that there's a 
disconnect with which is why they've got Sid Scala who Sid Scala is brilliant which is why he's in as kind of the mouthpiece for the mouthpiece so I don't know whether you're keeping up with I know I know Justin you've watched a bit of it um I don't know how much you're still into it Justin. NXT UK yeah I have I've not watched NXT UK once oh there you go Austin have you watched it at all I can't I, I try as much as I can there's oh, just so no one's much. watching it Fine. No, I have watched. I have watched it. I have. Um, I, I have to watch Pete Dunne somehow. <laughs> Kelsey from Super Kicking It with Kelsey was doing a, a Facebook Live or a Twitter Live last night, and I even said to her, "As an American person, are you watching NXT UK?" And she's like, "Oh no, because I've got so many other things to watch." It's like I don't think anyone in America's watching it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Not bothered anyway. Um, <laughs> but Johnny Saint is a is a British wrestling institution. And sure. uh, and he's got this beautiful northern accent when he talks, but he's just he hasn't got that refined sort of sports entertainment style of talking. You know, one of the first things he did was he walked out and his job was to say this match is a fatal four way match. And he came out and went, right, you lot, this match now is a four fatal match. No, no, mate. Was it? Oh no! You've got it's a four. It's a four-way fatal match. No, it's not. Just forget it. Just, just leave. And and there's been a few times where Johnny Saint has had to deliver something, and it's just not been strong enough. So now they've brought somebody in to be like the assistant, and Johnny Saint is literally out there to stand still whilst the assistant delivers all the important salient facts. <laughs> it's just a real sad state of affairs. And he reminds me a bit of a Jack Tunney, in the sense of he he's probably what a boss in wrestling would be. Like, not a big character, but somebody who can just keep everything in line. What the hell is a, f- a four-way fatal match? <laughs> Ask Johnny Saint! <laughs> he booked it! You're having a four-way Wonder- fatal Berlin match murders? right now. It's like the Wonderland murders. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so Luger has his big shot here. That really flex his promo muscle, and he's not as subdued as he was in the um, uh, Who Is Lex Luger vignettes. And <laughs> I'm not sure which one I prefer: the subdued Luger or the attempting to be passionate Luger. I prefer the duct to... taped mouth shut Luger. <laughs> he, he should just mime what he's gonna. Well, Listen to Yoko. But we get we have a very big detail here. Jim Cornette reveals that in this contract that Lex Luger has somewhat blindly signed, there is no rematch if Luger is to is to not win the belt. This is his one chance. No no to no, beat no, 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 no. There wasn't quite that. They were the wording here made me realize what was afoot with the main event. Um if he lost the match, he'd never get another shot. Nothing to do with whether he won the belt or not, just well, whether you, he you, lost the match. You say that, and what you're saying is, in fact, correct. Mm. But, but perhaps the storyline takes a bit of a different turn later on. And maybe they forgot their own storyline and their own wording. Maybe Cornette uh, didn't give the verbiage that they would have preferred. Right, fair enough. Because when I heard that line, I thought, do you know what? That makes sense for what's about to happen. But that we'll, actually we'll makes me believe the main event and makes me feel happier about the main event at SummerSlam more if that's the verbiage that they've set out, if that's the fix they've put in. <laughs> well, it's after Cornette reveals this little bit of chicanery that Lex Luger starts 
giving this passion speech about America and 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 how you know all the evil foreign types of the world, which and now he's going to beat Yoko's and all he needs is one shot. And Vince is making some staggeringly awesome faces at this point. Like he, he he's bug-eyed, he's pulling his head back in complete shock, because my God, he, he even he's never seen Luger so lively. Luger at this point is so drenched in sweat, he could stand he he could stand in like a custodian's bucket and fill it. He could stand in the waiting pool and fill it. God, they're all sweaty. They're all sweaty. That ring must smell like like taco meat, cumin. Oh, <laughs> One line that Luger said that that made me laugh and it shouldn't have done. When Jim Cornette was talking about the fine print in the contract, Lex Luger said, you know what? You can fine print people to death. I was like, Actually, I, you can. Can you? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been fine printed to death. I'd like to see an autopsy of somebody who was fine printed to death. That's an episode of CSI, isn't it? He was fine printed mm-hmm. to death. Get a future episode of Serial. Future episode of Serial. Oh, yes. 20 part, episode, 20 part podcast of the man who was fine printed to death. Jim Cornette is serving a 20 year sentence for fine printing a man to death, but is that a real crime? Fine, anyway. <laughs> so, Luke, is it, it's at this point that Luger gives us the wonderful promise says, about the best country in the world. It, it begins with a U and it ends with an A. It's got a middle initial of S. Like, is that last part really needed? <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was really clumsy. Just, there's no way of saving that. It's just a clumsy setup for saying USA. And like my country's name starts with a U, ends with an A, and has an S in the middle. And my baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. And so forth. <laughs> so that was that. What do we make of the contract signing, Austin? Um, at, honestly, it's like, like I've seen a lot of bad contract signings. Um, like, like El Torito. Once again, El Torito comes into play with a freaking bad contract signing on SmackDown, mm-hmm. and this one wasn't like painful i felt like but it just seemed like it was like nothing happened it felt like because mm-hmm. we're three weeks we're three weeks out from SummerSlam, and you're trying to make a like a an image that people can latch on to for the for the match to get everybody hyped up and all this kind of stuff and you don't know how to shoot it and neither of the guys can cut decent promos and jim Cornette is your saving grace and like he doesn't he does a really great job like jim did, does a great job making a case for Yokozuna because mm. God knows he can't do it on his own. But at the same time, it's just like, it just looked like an absolute like train wreck with everybody sweating in the ring just so badly. Like that you thought they were all melting. Yeah. They were trying for like a big time moment, but it didn't really feel big time. It did. Other, Cor- no. other than Cornette sprucing up with his verbiage and his sense of humor. But really it, it was, it was kind of par for the course for this era, unfortunately, with the smaller venues, and well, I mean this one especially with uh, you know poor air conditioning. We come out of the break with Themis in the inner ring, walking by in, in tights with these provocative holes in them, which Bobby knows by saying worst case of moths I've ever seen. <laughs> I want to note that Themis's outfit here. You notice how they're going with Luger over Brett as the as the top guy. 
She's wearing a pink tank top and black pants. Oh, she's she's hung her colours on the post. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the phrase is. Yeah. Maybe we're thinking of different things here, but that implied something else. <laughs> she's put her colours on the mast. Maybe that's what I meant. Well. Razor Ramon versus Dan Dubiel. Yay! We haven't had a decent enhancement talent match for some time. Welcome back, Dan DeBeal. Looking lovely and resplendent in a white singlet, white boots, and white knee pads. Yes, he's... Uh... I think this is Razor's first match as a babyface on Raw. So this is kind of historic in its own little way. Razor is wearing patriotic wristbands as part of his attire, which seems really out of place. Like, Is he supposed to like Scarface well, he, he did believe in the American dream, didn't he? Well, at this point, yeah, because he's still meant to be meant to be Scarface, really. Yeah. He's probably thinking about that swimming pool now. Are you? Back... I mean, you, uh, Austin, because you came to the to the game late, you would have missed Razor Ramon in his heyday. Mm-hmm. What did we make of him? I mean, I know Razor, I know Scott Hall, and like. Like of of his work, yeah, and like, like I've never really been. I've, I was never really a guy who was uh, against Razor Ramon or Scott Hall, um, at least when he was in WWF. His uh, his time with WCW can fluctuate a lot of times between. All right, man. All right, you're getting something going, and then other times like get off my television. Um, but like, I keep thinking back to like his ladder match with Sean, and like I do think that like. Razor Ramon was a really, really solid guy to have in that mm-hmm. downtime of like really your talent pool is thin as ice. So I think Razor was one of those guys that was definitely somebody that you could really like get the fans latched onto. So I think the choice to make him babyface was a solid one, even if it was like a slow turn. Because I feel like mm-hmm. I I don't know. That's just my thought. Yeah, even oh, he here, dead. it does still feel like, like, you're right, Justin, this is his first outing as a babyface, but his offense does still feel quite heelish, which is which is fine. Yeah, because he has the abdominal stretch on the at one point, and he's still pulling on the hair. He's still a bit of a bully, albeit, I guess, more playfully so now. <laughs> Heenan has, a, there's this great moment here involving Heenan and Savage that kind of didn't go the way they were wanted to go. He, because it's Razor versus DiBiase at SummerSlam. And Heena says that Razor is going to be panhandling after the match. Implying that he's going to lose the match and lose everything and you know, be a big no one. And Savage says, but he's going to win the match. Which to me makes it sound like, yeah, but he'll still be panhandling because that's what he does. <laughs> but he'll at least win the match over DiBiase and then he can go out and you know wash your windows for you on, on the street corner if you so desire. <laughs> Randy Savage just goes off on one here. I think he, I think he melts down a little bit. I think the heat is getting to him at this point. <laughs> well, when you're eating, when you're eating like a full diet of Slim Jims, like listen, it's not, it's not hard to see him completely just go bonkers. <laughs> well, well, for the sake of accuracy, this commentary was recorded the day of the show's airing, probably in some air-conditioned studio in Stamford. So. <laughs> Maybe he'd, had a, um, maybe he'd he'd had a big a big lunch, so he was just feeling a bit full and a bit slow. 
but he's gonna win the match. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I mean, with with my job, sometimes if I have a big lunch, the sh- the show suffers because I'm just tired. I'm just fed. Sure. <laughs> so maybe Savage had a big lunch. Razor hits his killer back superplex, almost breaks the deal in half. That was amazing. That back superplex. Yeah, he folded them in half, and not at the waist either. Yeah, Razor's Edge finishes. Decent little squash. Nicely establishes Razor as a good guy now, just in case you weren't sure. Because he's wearing patriotic wristbands. And only heels hate America. It's the future. (laughs) What did you think, Austin? You enjoyed the match? Yeah, it was a solid little squash match. Like. I feel like that that kind of stuff works a lot worked a lot more back then because when you see a squash match nowadays, it's more so like, oh, this is what we're getting, and it seems like mm-hmm. a very, just like considered nowadays, it's a lot more of a basic attempt to try to get somebody over. But mm-hmm. back in that back then, it worked fine and it worked really well for Razor, especially since it's a turning of his character development. So mm-hmm. I think it was fine. We get the SummerSlam report sponsored by Chevy Trucks. They're tough and definitely not Japanese. <laughs> hey, as somebody, as somebody, as somebody who lives near Detroit, I'm offended. <laughs> I really want to mean Gene to say that though. <laughs> Would have been the well, worst thing he said on television. It's true. <laughs> Put that Only cigarette American. out. <laughs> so. We hyped the big four matches, Luger versus Yoko, Brett versus Lawler, Taker versus Giant Gonzalez in the very vague rest in peace match. We, we still, still don't know the rules. The rules. I'm, I'm amazed this has been allowed to happen. <laughs> it's like uh, Undertaker goes into Jack Tunney's office. Hello, hello, Jack. I'm Undertaker. Uh, hey, wanna... you say you say you say you don't know the rules yet. I still don't know the rules of a lucha house party match, and that <laughs> happened already. So at least it's building to something, and you're like, man, I wonder what the rules are. The match happened. I still don't know what the rules are for a lucha house party match. Man, makes a good point. Actually, I don't know either. All I know is that lucha house party have in your house fonts on their t-shirts, and I love them. That's the one saving grace. That's their only saving grace. But that wasn't probably they... even their idea. No. And then they hype up Sean versus Perfect for the Intercontinental title. And Mean Gene, in kind of a rueful comment, says, This could be the greatest Intercontinental title match ever. All right, slow down. But it really potentially could be great. And uh, but as as you've been alluding to, Justin, over the last couple of weeks, it's it's not going to be. No, that was part of the, like That was the hype for this match. It's like when they hyped up Brett versus Owen at WrestleMania 10, it wasn't. This could be a technical classic. Like, no, it's just a fight between two brothers. You know, in this case, the hype for its potential greatness has superseded the storyline. So there's a lot of pressure on these two to put on that five-star match that's equivalent to Savage Steamboat and Brett versus Davy Boy. And I think you're going to find that when, <laughs> when we watch that show about, about, say, nine or ten days from now, as of this recording, falls a little bit short. <laughs> Oh, that's a shame. But then we go backstage to Jim Cornette, who is with the Heavenly Bodies, the Doctor of Desire Tom Pritchard, and the gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. And I gotta say, if Scott Dawson grew his hair like Jimmy Del Rey, he'd probably get a bigger push than what he has now. (laughs) He would, actually. I like this. I liked it where the camera was filming them, and Jim Cornette acknowledged the fact that the camera was there and told the camera to (laughs) shoo, because they were planning. 
Yes, and Cornette's, uh, I think there was a point here where Cornette's um, just ranting and raving, and they cut back to the arena to show Themis. And it's like, well, we see where their sensibilities lie in this company. It's funny because every time during the show you've said Thanos, I'm thinking of Thanos. <laughs> I'm thinking two, of Thanos walking two, around the ring holding up a raw sign. Two very Perfectly different people. balanced as all things should be. <laughs> oh, and God. I is. wish he. Imagine if he clicked his fingers during that six man tag. Oh gosh, we'd have been left. And then we were, and then we were left with, we were left with two midgets and the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> yeah. Damn yep. it! Yep. That's not the one we wanted. It's too random. Hey, hey, leave the brawler out of this. Oh, I will not leave the brawler out of this. He can go just fall off a cliff. <laughs> He's the best jobber of all time. The world's most I successful. I don't care. Player. The only jobber that deserves a Creed My Sacrifice video. Yes. <laughs> So we got the Heavenly Bodies versus Bobby Who and Mike Bucci. Glorious Tom, Bobby you... Who. Tom, do you recognize Mike Bucci? I certainly do. That's is Nova. It? That is Nova from ECW. Actual Hollywood Nova. Nova. <laughs> and the future Simon Dean. Absolutely in his... sensational. In a... in a white and red singlet pantsuit outfit that is more garish than anything he ever wore as Nova. I'm so happy to see Simon Dean on, on Raw this no one's, far removed from... But see, no, one, no one has ever said that sentence in the history of time. Oh, I, so... I liked Simon Dean. No, you didn't. I did. The whole <laughs> spoof like shopping commercial adverts and stuff like that. And when, oh, he you... in, oh. when he brought in Maven to be like the the guy who'd benefit... Like, that's, that's where Icapro should have gone. Actually, that's sounds about right. Although at this point in time, Mike Bucci is definitely not on the Iker Pro. No, like, certainly like not. Like some of his contemporaries on the roster. I gotta say, Vince putting over Smoky Mountain storylines on commentary is just so bizarre. It's weird that they get a nudge, like you, you, and Championship Wrestling from Florida got a mention earlier on tonight as well. Yeah, yeah, during the Luger uh, interview, which. Uh, um, I caught that as I was falling asleep during said interview. And it woke you up a little bit like it did me. Like, oh, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> Got a weird spot in the match early on when uh, Bobby Who was attracted by Dr. Tom. And Delray kicks him in the back of the head and he forgets to sell it. So he sells it on delay. <laughs> but, but then he falls into a DDT, which kind of made up for it. I revert my notes that this is the worst outfit that Nova has ever worn. And I will stand by that. And he's worn some stinkers of some outfits. Vince puts over the Praying Mantis movie on USA, which sounds way more interesting than this show. Heaney makes a great Heidi Fleisch joke, which may have gone over both your heads. I'm not sure. FYI, in that Praying... So this this happened quite a bit, Austin, where as part of the deal with, with the TV network, they'd plug different films they were showing. And this week they're plugging Praying Mantis, starring Barry Bostwick, who played Brad in Rocky Horror. I, I did, yeah, I was hearing that. And, like, the, earlier in the night, they were plugging the fact that the Lions had a tie game uh, at Wembley Stadium. So I was like, because they were going to be at the Palace for a SummerSlam. And I'm just, like, glad to see, Vince, that you're not trying to cling on to pop culture as hard as you possibly can. <laughs> well, I see, the, you see, see, the reason why they did that Lions-Cowboys thing earlier in the show, they were showing that they were quote-unquote live. Because that game happened the night before this show aired. <laughs> but, but the show was taped two weeks earlier, so 
they did the commentary the day of its airing and inserted it into the show. So it's like, we're live, we're topical, what's in the news? Uh, something with the stocks, uh, something we can talk about on the air? Uh -huh. that's, that's what they did. They would find stuff in the news and talk about during Raw to show that they were live even when they weren't live. If you, if you get my drift. Shady, shady, shady. <laughs> <laughs> so who runs in for the save? He gets nailed. Um, they hit the assist moonsault where one of them holds Mike Bucci by the arms. It's Dr. Tom. And Endeavor comes off with the moonsault hit and catches him standing. Decent little match. A lot of neat double teams in here. I thought that finisher, Jim Cornette, would have masterminded because Jim Cornette... There's a lot of things that makes Jim Cornette angry. But one mm. of them is when wrestlers just stand there and wait for a move to happen. And mm -hmm. so, therefore, this the, the whole thing of the guy being held ahead of the diving moonsault is something that mm -hmm. Jim Cornette would have been hot on them doing. That's definitely a nice little subtlety to hold the guy there in place so that he can be hit with the move. It's definitely different than just, you know, guy does a flip dive to the floor, five guys are standing there. Oh, let's hold each other by the back of the head so we can catch this guy. Exactly. I, I do agree with him on that much, at least. And then Jim Cornette calls out the Steiners. So we after, could potentially be looking at Steiners versus Heavenly Bodies. That was after Jimmy Delray did, did some lewd dances that predated Big E. <laughs> oh, he, I don't want Jimmy Delray to dance on my TV anymore. Why not? <laughs> it makes, makes, me, makes me feel uncomfortable. Crazy, before John Morrison, he was a real shaman of sexy. <laughs> So what did you think of the Heavenly Bodies? They're awesome. Sorry, I was just humming John Morrison's theme for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I thought this was a decent match, honestly. I thought the finish was really well done. Um, as somebody who has never seen the Heavenly Bodies, um, I was just holding on to the fact that Jim Cornette knows how to manage a tag team. And I just see, I just see Jim like doing Jim's thing and like, you told me there was a lot of Jim Cornette on this show, too. And, like, while I don't agree with Jim on a lot of things, I do know that the guy is genuinely hateable when he wants to be. Mm -hmm. So he does a, a really master... good job playing that. Yeah, masterfully done, yeah. And uh, his presence certainly boosted this show because, my God, without him, I don't know what we would have had this week. Which is really weird to say that Jim Cornette was your saving grace of your show. It's like in that time period, like Sean and Bret Hart were in the company. And for this Monday Night Raw, we had the saving grace be Jim Cornette. Well, Cornette can carry a lot of things. He's a, a consummate professional. He knows how to reach an audience. He knows how to infuriate people. He knows how to sell things. He's had like every job you could possibly have in the industry. He knows how to promote, knows how to book, knows how to, knows how to dictate to a crowd knows how to carry a match from the outside of the ring. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, it was definitely evident on, on this show just how much having someone like him can, can pull a bad show out of the complete dregs and into something that's passably watchable. So, thumbs up for Jimmy Cornette. And, I, and then I wrote my notes here. Hey, Tom, look, it's Hacksaw. I know! Duggan's coming back! For one match. I And this is the power of the podcast now, right? So I was at um, North Wrestling on Saturday night in Newcastle. Amazing night. Wonderful time. And somebody came up to me who I'd never met before. They put their arm on my shoulder and they went, 
I completely agree with you. I said, I'm sorry? <laughs> what do you mean? And he went, I hate Jim Duggan as well. <laughs> <laughs> the power of the podcast. Who is this <laughs> awful person that you made friends with? The only conversation I had with that guy before, during, and after the show. He's <laughs> clearly a man of no taste whatsoever. <laughs> do you know what? I was quite excited to see Duggan's face. I won't lie. I was quite excited <laughs> to see Duggan's face. Yes, there have been the SummerSlam Spectacular in two weeks, which is sadly not on the network because it has one really awesome match in it. Although for, for, for this one, we hype up uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Yokozuna. We, um, on this show, it, it, it's a steel cage match. It's Steiner Brothers versus, the, versus Money Incorporated. One of the best matches that all four men would have in the company. And I'm sad that it's not on the network because it, it was fantastic. It will be eventually, surely. Yeah, but I, I wish it was part of it as this uh, little thing we're doing here. Yeah, it would have been handy. But that's that's not that's the SummerSlam spectacular. Raw next week is stacked, as we discovered. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Raw this could, for this era, Austin. Believe you me, Raw is stacked. It's it's stacked in the same sense that you can shovel dog crap on top of some more dog crap. Oh, and there's a lot being shoveled. We have, and, and, and I'm reading this verbatim here, a giant Gonzalez interview. Who is giant Gonzalez? <laughs> Mountain. College. None. College. <laughs> I had a pencil. I majored in stepping on people. I was all Giant Gonzalez had a 2.0 GPA. <laughs> And he only got that by threatening his advisors. <laughs> All American Giant Gonzalez. <laughs> I want to see the, the all Argentinian. All American Giant Gonzalez versus Yokozuna. Like okay, oh, I got, I got, I got my, I got my Photoshop. I need Giant Gonzalez on a football field tackling Tom Brady. John, John, because <laughs> oh. I'm being topical and also just need that image. There you go. Okay, John. fair question. Make that happen. Fair question. Would Luger's suit have fit Giant Gonzalez? No, and that would have been even funnier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want Luger's suit exactly. So it's too big in some places and too small in others. <laughs> Hey, look, it's giant Angus Young. Where's your hat? <laughs> you shook me all night long. Would, Wait, that's would right, that's Gonzalez versus Yoko have been a match so bad that people would have died? Yes. <laughs> it might have been. No hesitation, yes. So we, we have the, the Gonzalez interview. We have Ludwig Borga in action. Ding, 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 mission. ding. Men on the Mission, good figure. It's Sid's birthday, and she loves Men on the Mission so much. <laughs> happy, happy birthday, Sid. Hope you like crap. <laughs> but, but then we have two uh, promising matches: Erwin R. Schreiser versus Tito Santana, and the one two, th- and the one two three kid versus the Million Dollar Man. Isn't it sad that Santana versus IRS is a promising match in this era? <laughs> and and it's fourth bill to the other stuff. Oh my god. But that is next week, and we will look towards that next week. We'd like to take this time to thank 
uh, Austin, for joining us today. Austin, take some time and plug all the things that you do one more time with feeling. Go for it. Absolutely. Uh, I I host a podcast for Anmore Media called Pin to Pro Wrestling Podcast. We talk everything pro wrestling. It's with my good buddy Chad. You can find us on Twitter at Pin Podcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you can find podcasts. You can follow me personally at szoomer4. And if you want to check out all the other and more podcasts that I help uh, partially in, you can check andmore.media for my entire podcasting group and just see all the content that we make. He's like the Adam Curry of 2019. There Certainly. you go. And please, please let me know if you guys need need me on again because this was a ton of fun. Uh, while soul-draining, at some points, it was still a lot of fun at the end. Oh, mate, it would be an honor and a privilege to have you back on. <laughs> We'll have you on all the 95 shows and, w- and watch it just waste away like you're uh, being held captive. Dude, I'm held captive watching Raw now. Like, it can't be that oh. bad. Dude, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> L- let me show you 1995. Yeah. You, you will beg for the three-hour shows of today. I can just hear it in your voice now that you're not kidding. Oh, Diesel's world title reign, one year long. Oh, God. As, as, on behalf of Michigan, I apologize for Diesel. <laughs> I'm glad somebody's finally going to take ownership of it. But, but, but hey, today we have Daniel Bryan and uh, Eric Rowan, who should be Bio-Diesel, to go along with his uh, gimmick. Way! Bio-Diesel! Bio-Diesel! <laughs> that is all so, I will call him from now on. Instead of the Vintner. He is at JRH writing on Twitter. Send him pictures of... Um, no. Let me think. Stop what it. can we send pictures of this week? Um, Tom. Your Tom. dinner. Pictures of what you're having for dinner. Send it to John. Tom, I will gouge your eyes out and wear them as, ear- as earrings. If you have something nice for dinner, send it to at JRH writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Thank you for joining us. Picture in your mind's eye, Gonzalez, giant Gonzalez, wearing Lex Luger's suit while sat in a chair, answering the question, who is giant Gonzalez? With the answer, college. Love you, bye. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 